0: Jesus lived and worked on the daily grind. He had calluses in his hands. He had splinters in his hands. We're going to be in John chapter 7, and I entitled this message, Time. You know, time is something we're all bound to. In fact, we're always looking to see what time it is. And why is that? Well, we live in a fast-paced society, and it's filled with many things to do. We're a people on the go, you could say, for sure. We have places to go, people to see, things to do. We have schedules that demand us having to know, well, what time it is. And time itself is a fascinating phenomenon. It amazes me how the older we get the faster time goes by. I mean, when I was nine years old, I had all the time in the world. Every day seemed like it just took forever to go by. In fact, I felt like I was in the fourth grade for like 22 years. Am I ever gonna get out of the fourth grade? But now, as I've gotten older, it seems like it's in hyperdrive. I mean, time is just whizzing by. You know, time has been defined as an irreversible succession of events from the past through the present all the way to the future. We've even made up all kinds of little catchphrases about time, like no time like the present. We can use that for all of our procrastinating friends. Or if we're in a real hurry, we can say, there's no time to lose. Let's go. And we all like to hear just in the nick of time. That's when we get that check that comes out of nowhere just in time to pay the rent but we all you know have these other times that we use too like when it's uh someone's late we can say well it's about time you know it's about time you got here and what about all the phrases dealing with time that we hated when we were growing up like when our parents would say it's time to go to bed we would respond with oh come on five more minutes but then our parents used the same thing when it was time to get up. It's time to get up. It's like, no, just five more minutes anyway. And then if you're a little boy, you never wanted to hear this, you know, like when I was like five years old, it's time to take a bath. You feel like telling your parents like, hey, look, I'm five years old. I'm comfortable being a stinky little boy, you know, like whatever. But as we get older, we try to master time because we never have any time until we make time for things. We all come to the place when we figure out that we can't always master time. That's when we usually lose time, which of course makes us pressed for time. But now as man has developed new technologies, we seem to track every second of our time with our smartphones, tablets, instant messaging. You know, now it's like, you know, why would we take so much time to email when we can just text and tweet? Yes, there's a couple things that are true. Number one, every one of us are bound to time. And number two, we must all save time however we can, which leaves us with the biggest uncertainty about time that we all have. Things that people wonder, and that is how much more time do we have left? Because our time one day will pass away. Yes, when it comes to time, we're all only given a limited amount of time. Some have a little bit more than others, But yet nobody really knows how much time we really have on planet Earth. You know, the Bible says this concerning our lifespan in Psalm 144, 4. It says this man is like a mere breath. His days are like the passing shadow. He says your life is like a breath. You know, when you compare our lifespan to eternity, it's like we're here and we're gone. That's why in the New Testament, in the book of James, chapter four, verse verse 14, it says, you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that, uh, that appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. And again, comparing ourselves to eternity, thousands and millions of years, it's like, oh my goodness, we're just here and then we're gone. I wonder, in your life, what time is it? Like, how much time do you really have left? I know for me, I'm like past the two-thirds mark. It's like, oh my goodness, you know? Well, today, as we continue in our study through the book of John, let's look at our first point, time passes. As we read, picking up in John chapter 7, of course, we'll pick up in verse 1. And it says, now after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now, What Jews were seeking to kill him. It wasn't just the average everyday Jewish people. It was the Jewish religious leaders that were jealous of Jesus because Jesus was drawing people to him because of the astounding way that he spoke and he taught. And when when Jesus taught people, they were able to track along with him and then they got it in the end. So the religious leaders were losing their stranglehold on the people and they hated it. So they are the ones that wanted to kill Jesus. Now picking up in verse 2, now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths or tabernacles was near. Therefore his brothers said to him, now this is Jesus's literal physical true brothers from his mother and Joseph. And his brother said to him, leave here and go into Judea so that your disciples also may see your works, which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself is seeking to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. See, they were a little bitter towards their brother because they were getting teased and harassed Because Jesus is the Messiah. And they're like, who is your brother? What are you talking about? Verse 5, it says, for not even his brothers were believing in him. So Jesus said to them, my time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it, that its deeds are evil go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to the feast because my time has not fully come. Having said these things uh, to them, he stayed in Galilee. All right, well, there's a lot there. So let's pull this apart and see what it has to do with us. Well, first we see that you know what time it was. If you remember back in chapter six, we spent three studies in chapter six. It all happened around the Passover, and now, according to John chapter seven and verse two, it was the feast of Tabernacles or the feast of Booths. These were the same feast. Uh, there were three main feasts. We've gone over these before in times past. Uh, seasons that the Jews celebrated. The first was the Passover. That was remembering when God spared the Jews from the angel of death as he passed over them in Egypt as he was bringing this massive plague on the Egyptians for the slavery of, his, of God's people. The second was the Feast of first fruits. This was a time of thanksgiving for God's abundant provision. And the third is the one that we're reading about here, which is the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, which is again, the same thing. This was a time of remembering how their ancestors had lived in Booths uh, in the wilderness. So God delivered them out of Egypt, out of slavery, and they were supposed to go right into the promised land. But because of their unbelief they didn't end up going into the promised land so they wandered in the wilderness because of their unbelief for 40 years and so they were living in of course tents or booths or what have you in the wilderness so this is just a time of remembering that now the reason I bring this up is to note that John chapter 6 took place again at the time of the Passover and now John chapter 7 takes place at the Feast of Tabernacles that means this that seven months had passed between chapters 6 and 7. Seven months of Jesus continuing to heal, continuing to teach, continuing to deliver people. Now, some of those events were recorded in the other gospels. Yet much of that time, Jesus used in investing in his own disciples. He was instructing them, and he was building them up. And he did a great job, obviously, because after Jesus died and resurrected, again, the disciples went on, and we sit here today believing in Jesus because of the faithfulness of the ministry that he had poured into them. Yet now, Jesus is having a run-in, with his own personal brothers. You could call it a little sibling rivalry, you could say. Understand, Jesus did have brothers and sisters. Now, some mainline religions, mainline denominations have taught that Mary stayed a virgin after having Jesus. But that is simply not biblically true. Mary went on to have several other children with her husband, Joseph, meaning Jesus' brothers were technically his half-brothers, because the Bible clearly teaches that Mary was a virgin when she conceived and bore Jesus. Now you remember what happened, right? It was the angel Gabriel, and he said to Mary that she would conceive in her own womb the son of the most high God. And this is how Mary responded to what Gabriel was saying to her. If you go back to Luke one thirty four, it says, Mary's responding to the angel said, well, how can this be? I'm a virgin. I have never had any relations with a man. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Wow. Now, it was important that the angel didn't just share this with Mary, but he had to also go and share it with Joseph, because when Mary first went to Joseph and said, Guess what? I'm pregnant. It's like that was not what Joseph wanted to hear. Because he's thinking, uh, I've never touched you. Okay, it's like, and so she's saying, Oh, but this angel came and told me, and it's like, and it's like, uh, so Joseph had a very hard time with this because the angel didn't tell him immediately. And see, back in this day, it's not like today where people are fooling around all the time. You know, the Bible says that if you're a fornicator, that's just someone who's having sexual relations with someone outside of marriage. You will not go to heaven. I mean, think of the magnitude of that. And see, the Bible has never changed on this. It's always been the same. Our culture has changed. Time has changed that we're living in now. And it's much more acceptable in people's eyes now. But it's like God hasn't changed on this subject. And that's why he says, if you're a fornicator, you will not go to heaven. That's bad news because there's a lot of people fornicating that are not married and having sexual relations. The good news is that if we stop, we can be forgiven. God can forgive us and we can once again go to heaven. But it's like, if we're living in that lifestyle, it's like, it's not going to go. Well, back in this day, it wasn't going to go. And Joseph knew that once people found out that she was pregnant before they got married, they could actually stone her to death. So Joseph's mind was like, I'm going to just kind of put her away, like send her out, like at the you know the depth of night and get her out of here so she can go have this baby or whatever and just go on with life and what have you. But that's not what happened. Because Joseph, the angel, came to him and said, she's going to be pregnant, but she's pregnant from the Holy Spirit, and she's going to have this baby, and you're going to call him Jesus. And it says in Matthew one twenty five, it says, and Joseph kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called him Jesus. So Joseph listened to the angel, and he says, oh, okay, this is of God. And so he never touched her, so they went ahead and got married. And he never touched her until after Jesus was born. But after Jesus was born... Well, Mary and Joseph, they moved on just like any other married couple would move on. And they had sexual relations and they had many other children, which is common in this day and age. People would have multiple kids. They didn't have birth control back then. They just, you had a whole parcel of kids. And this is talked about in the Bible, several places. In fact, at one point, the people were so mesmerized by the power and the authority in which Jesus spoke that it was really hard for them to separate the fact that Jesus grew up right under their nose. I mean, listen to what the gospel of Matthew recorded the people saying in Matthew chapter 13, verse 54 says, where did this man get this wisdom talking about Jesus and all these miraculous powers? How is he healing the blind and causing them to see and making the lame walk? How is this happening? Is not this, the carpenter's son is not his mother called Mary and his brothers. James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters that's plural more than one are they not among us all see people had a hard problem with Jesus it's like they just couldn't put it all together like wait a second This Jesus, because he grew up for 30 years and he just lived among them. He was the carpenter. It's like, wait a minute, this is the guy that built my table. He he built a bench for the outside of our house that we sit at. I mean, it's like they they couldn't put on. How is he speaking now with this, this unbelievable wisdom? How is he touching people and causing the blind to see? They couldn't pull it all together. Plus, another issue for them, I'm sure, was Jesus didn't look like what the Messiah, they thought, would look like. They thought the Messiah would look like probably what we have in many pictures today. How many times have you seen Jesus? That picture is, this, you know, he's looking, he's got kind of suntan, you know, but he was in the sun booth, and, you know, he's got blonde streaks in his hair. He's got striking blue eyes, you know. It's like, what, where did you get that picture from? Because the Bible depicts something completely opposite of that. In fact, the Bible never tells us, and gives us what he looked like, except for this. The Bible says he had no appearance that you'd be attracted to him. So what does that mean? It just means there was nothing about him that you'd be attracted to. like. Every Jesus movie you see, which one's Jesus? Well, he's the good looking one in the middle. Okay, <laughs> that's Jesus. Okay. And it's like, so Jesus was nothing that you'd be attracted to. It was just He was just average. Maybe he wasn't ugly, but he wasn't good looking. He was just average. You just walk right by him. You wouldn't give him the time of day because God didn't want it to be about how he looked. It wanted to be about who he was and what he did. Meaning that Mary was probably the same way. She was probably just this very average looking woman. And again, when she's ever depicted in a movie, who's Mary? Oh, well, she's the beautiful little virgin. She's glowing, you know, it's like, but no, Mary is probably just very average looking girl because God grabbed her and used her because she had great integrity, that's why the angel had said to her, you are blessed among women. But see, this was such an oxymoron that they couldn't separate the two in their own mind. Yet this is exactly what God had told them was going to happen 750 years earlier, where he says, look, this, there's going to be a virgin. I didn't say it's going to be a beautiful virgin. It's just going to be a virgin virgin. And she's going to bear a son, and his name is going to be called Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means that God is now with us. So this baby that's born from this virgin, it's going to be God with us. This baby is going to be God in human form. So yes, even though Mary was blessed among women, what other women in the history of humanity, what other woman? Think about it. It's like she was blessed among women. What other woman? has had the job to do that she had. You look at all the women in the Bible, you know Esther, you, know, you look at all the women that God used you know, throughout you know, history and what have you. It's like, what woman could say, I bore the Messiah of the world out of my womb? I mean, it's like, so she was blessed among women. But understand, not only did she have the ability of burying the Messiah, she got the great privilege of raising him from a little boy into a man. But understand, Mary was never meant to be worshipped. You know, you see in some denominations where she is so exalted, sometimes even equalized with God. In fact, she's even told, like, you're going to pray to Mary. We're never told in the Bible to pray to Mary. But see, we use human intellect to come in and think, well, it's kind of like, you know, when you go to your dad and you're little and you ask your dad for something. Your dad's like, no, don't even think about it. Just like, I'm made for money. No way. Not going to happen. So you go to your mom and your mom's a softy and your mom will get you. you So you pray to Mary because Mary, you know, she's the softer side. This is completely unbiblical. We've made all this up in our own minds. There's nothing in the Bible that would substantiate any of that. In fact, at one point when Jesus was preaching, his mom and some of her, her other sons, her, his brothers came looking for him. And so they came up to Jesus and they said, hey, your mom and your brothers are out there. They want to talk to you. And this is how Jesus responded to them in Matthew twelve forty eight. He says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? He went on to say, whoever does the will of my father is my brother, my sister, my mother. And then Jesus also went on to say in Luke 4, 8, he says, it is. Is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. We are not to worship Mary. We are not to pray to Mary, but we can honor her because she bore the Messiah of the world, which brings up our second point. His time misunderstood. They misunderstood who Jesus was and what he came to do. See, now we have his brothers who at this point are like everybody else. For they also rejected Jesus as the Messiah. His own brothers did. Why? Well, they were men of the world. They adopted the ways of the world. They spoke the language of the world. And they employed the world's logic. This is why they told him to go to Jerusalem and show himself... That word show is an interesting word. It means to make visible what is invisible. It's to reveal. Now, why would they say that to him? Well, they didn't buy it themselves. They didn't buy that Jesus was the Messiah. Verse five says they simply did not believe. Consider all the ridicule that they must have taken you know, they faced on a daily basis. They had to endure it. People teasing them and harassing them. Maybe it sounded like this. Why does your older brother think he is the Messiah? Why is he doing that? I mean, it's just Jesus. We played kickball together. We grew up together. Why is he now on this Messiah kick? He's lost his mind. This family had become a laughing stock, you could say, and Jesus' brothers were sick and tired of it. They were sick and tired of being tormented by their peers. And I'm sure Mary pulled her children aside, possibly many times, and told them how the angel had spoke to her, how she miraculously became pregnant before she married their father Joseph. But guess what? They didn't buy it. It wasn't good enough for them. They wanted Jesus to become visible. He wanted him to reveal himself and to make it obvious to all, including themselves. How sad, for Jesus had lived a perfect life. His character and his conduct were flawless. He was the ultimate big brother, but we're not told why they didn't believe, only that they had chosen not to believe. And the Bible had already prophesied that this would happen some thousand years earlier. This fulfilled the prophecy in Psalm 69, verse 8, that says, I have become estranged from my brothers and an alien to my mother's sons. Wow. So it was already talking about the Messiah and how he would be rejected by his own family. But again, not only was Jesus flesh and blood, but let's not forget he was God in the flesh. Yet he decided to live as a regular man until he was 30 years old. Think about that. Three decades of his life. He's just living a normal life. He's like, nothing said about all this other stuff. I mean, I could think even, you know, Mary started kind of forgetting about what he really was. Because he was just a good man. And he just lived a normal life. Nothing out of the ordinary. Think about that. Jesus lived and worked on the daily grind as a carpenter. He had calluses in his hands. He had splinters in his hands. He stubbed his toe at times. He went to weddings. He went to funerals. Yes, Jesus lived life just like you and me. But why would he do that? Why would he live just a normal, mundane life? So that we couldn't look at him and say, you know, Jesus... You don't have a clue what it's like to live down here. You don't know how hard my life is and the things that I'm going through. I'm sick of my job. You know, my life is so difficult. Know this, not only did Jesus face all the day in and day out troubles that you and me face on a daily basis, but he did it so that he could sympathize with us.
1: Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA one word to 77977.